I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. You're listening to BSH Radio. Is this true? Live from the WIP studios in Philadelphia. The hockey team, the Flyers. And right here on BroadStreetHockey.com. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. The season has begun. The Flyers are 2-1. Wayne Simmons is the best player in the league, and we're going to bring you everything you want because you are listening to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz, and I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Uh, It's been a fun start. Flyers After Dark uh, has been, uh, well, you know, it's been a thing. You had to stay up late to watch your hockey team, but because you're the best fans in the world, we know you did. We have a jam-packed show for you tonight. Let's get to the panel for the evening. First and foremost, the greatest birthday planner in the world, Kelly Hinkle. Oh, it's me. So, Charlie, in our little outline here, brought up some trash that he saw on Twitter.com, and that made me think of some trash that I saw on Twitter.com, most notably the fact that people seem to be rationalizing Andrew McDonald's spot in the lineup by saying, hey, I haven't noticed him do anything absolutely horrible so it's fine that he's playing he's totally fine and uh no no it's not it's not fine it's not okay it's not good it's never gonna be okay it's a it's a fatigue thing for me at this point i just can't spend every single day for the next six months complaining about andrew mcdonald i mean i don't want to but i definitely can (laughs) and i probably will i mean it just seems bad for your mental health well (laughs) on on a bad day where you've got nothing to complain about, Andrew McDonald is really an easy target. Super easy. If There's always need, something. If you need to get your Philadelphia complaint quota in, and yeah. like, yo, man, the Sixers signed Embiid, looks like he's healthy, like, the Eagles are good on all three sides of the ball, like, awesome, the Phillies, well, they're still the Phillies, but yeah, let's just complain about Andrew McDonald. Well, like, let's please note, I said on a bad day, yeah. when you've got nothing to complain That's what I'm about. Things are... <laughs> In the in some of the other sports, things are looking up, and we can always just go to Andrew it's McDonald. Old, reliable. Yeah, it's, I, yeah. It's I just need people to keep in the front of their mind that it doesn't matter how many good games Andrew McDonald has; he does not belong in this team. Fair enough. Never forget this, folks. It's people, very important. Forget this. He's the yeah. ultimate captain. They need his leadership. <laughs> My broadcast partner in crime, Steph Licious D. Steph Driver. William. Kelly, Kelly brought me a cake, and that was really cool. And alcohol. <laughs> Thank you. And that may have been John. Or, that was John. That was John, John brought the alcohols, yeah. I have friends, and that's nice. Um, I would like the person who created the NHL schedule for specifically the Flyers to be forced to watch these games. Because I don't know whether they are or not, but the way that this season has started for the Flyers is absolutely ludicrous. I'm so sleepy. Well, not only do they start on the West Coast, which would have been bad enough, but they start on the West Coast with a back-to-back. Like, there's no recovery from that for us, the fans, and then I guess also the athletes. You've got to consider them, too. I did a post-game two nights in a row after 1 a.m. I didn't go to bed. (laughs) The first night, I didn't go to bed until after 2 Almost three o'clock. And then the next night I recorded the second half of the game because there was absolutely no way that I could stay up that late. Like, we have jobs. Didn't they do this last year? Was it It LA and Arizona back to backs? I don't know if they started with a back to back. I don't, I know that they started the season in LA. You know what? It may have been a Friday and a Saturday. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think Mm. the weekend made it a bit easier last year. Yeah, they weren't the, uh, they weren't one of those featured Wednesday night rivalry games against, like, you know. Just the Sharks. The Sharks. <laughs> Big time rivalry. <laughs> the Sharks are the Flyers of the West Coast, so it makes sense. Well, apparently. Last but not least, the best columnist in Philadelphia, our very own Mark Madden, <laughs> Charlie O'Connor. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. <laughs> so, as Kelly hinted, um, I'm going to rant a little bit about uh, things that have been popping off of my Twitter that I don't like. 
it's basically what it seems like is that people who are big Samuel Moran fans are ripping on Travis Sanheim because they think their guy should be starting. And to a degree, I get it. You know, it seems like the Flyers made the decision that Robert Haig and Travis Sanheim have won the competition. We'll get into that later. I get it. There are a lot of people that like Sam Moran because he's got a lot of potential and he hits a lot of people and he seems to fill a role that no one on this team seems to fill. But it is not Travis Sanheim's fault that the coaching staff won't start all three rookies. Don't blame Travis Sanheim that... The coaching staff is saying only two of these guys can play. It's not his fault. We know that all three of these guys are probably NHL ready. And we know that two guys in the seven probably aren't as good as these three guys, these three rookies. It's not Travis Sandheim's fault. Let's direct the anger at who actually deserves it, which is the coaching staff and the organization, and don't make it a either-or game with Travis Sandheim and Sam Moran. They're both good, they're both prospects, and we should be rooting for both of them. Yeah, I don't know why people are blaming Travi Sandheim. Like, that just doesn't make any sense to me. He did exactly what we asked of him, was to give this coaching staff and, and the management staff no choice. Like, do not let them send you down. And that's exactly what he did. And for whatever stupid fucking reason this re- the rest of this team has in, in keeping Sam Moran in the press box and not playing three rookies... That's between them and whoever pays their bills, but it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Not Travi's fault. Exactly. At least at least Haig and Sandheimer in the lineup. Like I can't. Yeah. How do you direct your anger at anybody but these stupid ass <laughs> coaches? Seriously. Uh, and, Easily. I, 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 that's another. I don't want to just. Uh, I'm trying. They're they're two and one. Things seem to be clicking and coming together. So I don't want to bury the coaching staff too badly this early. But uh, I do. Like, come on, man. I, I just I just don't want us getting like because I get it. You know, I get the thing where people who like watched the the preseason and thought Sam Moran not only deserves to be in the lineup was but was the best of the three. I think you can make a case that he was the best three. I don't necessarily agree, but I think you can make a solid case that he's the best of three and he should be playing. But like it's not Sandheim's fault. And every time Sandheim makes a mistake, if you're a Moran fan, don't be like, see, that's why Moran should be in the lineup. Yeah, he's like, getting well, they're they're all going to make mistakes. If, if Moran was in the lineup, he'd be making some mistakes too, because that's what happens when you're a rookie. Don't give Sanheim the Coburn treatment, where it's just like, oh, you see, right there, they scored a goal, and he's standing there, so clearly he's the worst player on the ice. Like, let's not do that. Yeah, could we not? All right, let's get into the show first and foremost. I believe it came out today because <clears throat> today's Monday, so that seems like the day they announced these things. Wayne Simmons. Third star of the week. Uh, the week started on Wednesday, but still a decent week for him. Three goals in the opener, overtime winner on Saturday night. Uh, if you if you forgot about how much you love Wayne Simmons over the summer, quick reminder that he's the man. Yeah, he's certainly making a case as to why we shouldn't trade him, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but, he's gonna make it hard. Or oh, he's making it hard. He's all right. increasing his <laughs> trade value. Uh, he, oh, I forgot my or, hot take. Damn it! Well, yeah, you did. What oh, is yeah, it? Uh, tra- uh, play Yuri Laterra already. Like Jesus. Why? We're, because he's better than Dale Weiss. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> all right. No I wasn't. I wasn't there. sure we were going with that, but um, all right. We'll get into okay. it later because I have some numbers here. Ooh. I have some numbers Look that support Bill. Bill, the math guy. Advanced stats aren't real. <laughs> it's, it's whatever. So. It's whatever HockeyReference.com right. had. So let's, <laughs> let's bring it all in. What are we talking about? We today? are going to start where uh, you know most of the conversation was during the preseason with the defense. We now have a sample size of two games for Sanheim. Three for Haig, none for Sam Moran. What do we like about this situation? What do we hate about this situation? Well, I guess what we, I, I obviously what we don't like is that one of them is sitting in the press box. But I do believe that, like the Flyers have shown their hand here. They, they, yeah. they kind of, you know, for that one game, that opener, you still weren't sure. You yeah, know, why? Who, who of Sandheim and Moran was was actually winning this job because they sat both of them and they started Brandon Manning. But by game two. Travis Sandheim had the role. He, he jumped in for Manning. But then really where they showed their hand, because there was still the possibility. I didn't think it was likely, but there was still the possibility they were going to be like, okay, Sandheim plays game two, Moran plays game three. We keep this competition going for another week. And then whoever looks better in those games gets the job, and the other guy goes home once we get back to Philly. Sandheim did not have the best debut. He made some mistakes 
and it would have been very easy for them to pull an audible and say, all right, Sam, you're jumping in for game three. They stuck with Sanheim. And if you're going to stick with Sanheim, and it seems like he's again going to play in Nashville, the obvious implication is that Robert Haig won the first spot, Travis Sanheim won the second spot, and Sam Moran was third, and the only reason why he's still with the team is because they wanted to carry a defenseman due to the Gosses Bear injury. So, can we talk about that first game for a second? Because mm. Kurt, our pal Kurt, wrote something after that first game that I thought was very insightful, and it speaks a bit to what we talked about last week about you know, kind of changing the culture around this team and the change in culture that would come with putting your confidence in your rookies. And I think that sitting those two guys in the first game of the season sets a message that's a, a really bad one, I think, that you're not... Because we've talked a lot about the goalie that you start the first game of the season. Ultimately, it doesn't make a huge difference, but it does send a message, this is the guy that we're going with. It and clearly when, played a role, at least mentally, for Steve Mason last right. year. And you sit you sit your two rookies and you're like, what are you saying to them? What are you saying to your fan base? What are you saying to the team in general? It, it bothered me a lot that they both sat in the press box for that first game. Maybe they wanted Nolan Patrick to get his pregame skate alone. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the next night, Sanheim could get his skate alone. Well, Nolan they, they Patrick is Robert a diva, Haig my in the first game. But he did play but last year. He played one game last Fair. year. Yeah, Fair. so he got to do, he got that treatment last year. Yeah, I ju- it baffles me that, okay, you start with Manning, so maybe we're going to do that over the first three games. We're going to see all three. And then... They play Sandheim and stick with Sandheim. I will give the coaches credit for not using Sandheim's uh, couple of mistakes as an excuse to go up. Give him the hook. I was expecting it. We're going to spend a lot of this season bashing the coaching staff. I'm going to guess, but (laughs) when they showed the confidence in Sandheim to keep him in the lineup uh, for the for the Saturday game, I said, "Okay, cool. At least." They do have confidence in Sanheim. If he did win this competition for the final spot, they're sticking with him. It still makes no sense to me at all why Brandon Manning got to start. Um, maybe just a veteran. I have absolutely no idea. Is it just, is it it was just dumb? It was. Is dumb. it just respecting the veteran and like it's opening I, I night, know. so you get to? I don't play. know. You had people That's saying that it was because ha- because I- Anaheim is big and fast. You know who's bigger Sanheim's than Sanheim's big and fast. You know who's bigger than Brandon Manning and Andrew McDonald? Is it Samuel? It, it, it Samuel and also Travis. Like yeah. both of both of them. And do you know who's faster than Andrew McDonald and Brandon Manning? Both Samuel and Travis. Like, <laughs> Is that bo- right? Both of them. Both hmm. of them. So yeah, one six five and really like one of the best skaters on the the team. The other six seven and a decent skater for six seven. Yeah, like I, well, I think I think Sanheim's six four. But either way. Still really big, and I, yeah. I, I just, I just, don't, I just don't understand. Uh, so Sanheim sticking was kind of a double edged sword for me because after that second game, I was like, oh, I bet they go to Moran now, and and part of me was like, okay, we're gonna get to see what Moran brings, and then you know if he plays a good game, maybe then we might have a possibility of having all three of these guys stick, but. He's just not getting a shot at all, which is very annoying. Opening night would have made sense to me, more sense to me. If if Moran had played on Saturday, yeah, but since that's not what their plan was, I I just can't get over this opening night thing. And we're three games in; it doesn't matter anymore. Brandon Manning might not touch the ice for the rest of the season, and it won't matter. But I'm just I can't explain it to myself. And I'm really good at, at least if I can come up with a justification for the way I think someone thinks. Mm. I go, okay, that's their reasoning. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's because there's no logic happening here. Okay, all yeah, right, yeah, cool. that's that's why cool. <laughs> that's easy. Uh, Hexy had this quote on Thursday. Thursday about carrying eight defensemen, as Charlie was saying, Hextall said, I don't have the answer. Uh, if you want a definite answer, I don't have it. We're not cool. going to carry eight defensemen. It could be tomorrow, a week from now, or two weeks from now, but we're not going to carry eight for long. Okay, cool. It's cool that he doesn't have the answer, because who would? <laughs> yeah. Why should he have it? I gotta check upstairs. Uh, I gotta call Paul. Who they knows? Haven't, they haven't told him. Like, you're the general manager. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, this just goes back to... <sighs> the Hextall view of, like, I'm not going to give you a damn thing. Yeah. Like, he, they gotta send Moran down once they, once they you know, touch down in Philadelphia, right? Like, granted, Moran has spent a couple years in the AHL. You know, he maybe isn't a finished product, but he's, he's probably fairly close to it. At the same time, he's still only 22. Like, you still want him playing hockey. Yeah, and, somewhere. And, yeah, and, like, it's pretty clear that... 
he's the eighth defenseman on this depth chart for whatever reason. So he's not going to play in at you all. Know, you know, in the orange and black right now. So at some point, you got to send him down. I have to believe the reason why he's still there is because the way they look at it is like, you know, knowing our luck. They'd send him down. They'd send him back to Lehigh Valley, and then someone would have gotten hurt on Saturday. They would have had to fly him back out to Nashville. So it's like, eh, might as well just keep him along. He's only going to miss two or three, two, maybe three. I'm not sure what the what the Phantom schedules, but like, he's not going to miss that many Phantoms games. It's not a huge deal. He can skate with the team, maybe pick up on some some system stuff we talk through in meetings that might help him when he comes back up later in the year. Like maybe it's just as simple as that. But you know. Hextall, as much as you know, it's funny. When I read this, I read this answer. Like Hextall and Hextall do this in interviews. Hextall especially, but Hextall too. You ask them a question, and they like immediately shoot you down. Like they'll basically be like, "That's dumb." But then, like halfway through the question, they actually answer it. Like he starts out with basically saying, "Like I'm not giving you anything," and it's like. Well, actually, we're not going to keep eight defensemen, so I'm giving you your answer. Like, the answer is it's going to be seven. It's just, you know, when it's going to happen, they don't know. But he he basically said that somebody's getting sent down, and the circumstantial evidence would imply that that somebody is going to be Sam Moran because he hasn't yeah. played. That's, we, the whole point to this patient approach was it's better to overcook them than undercook them because when they're here, it means they're a staple in the lineup and they're going to play every night. We don't want them getting six minutes. We don't want extended periods in the press box. And now we have a guy sitting in the press box for, I know it's only been three games. But it's still it's three gonna, games. It's going to be four. And the Phantom season started, I believe, Saturday. They played mm-hmm. back-to-back Saturday, Sunday. He's missing this valuable development time that we've been told means so much. Got to get his seasoning. He's watching. He's watching from He's above. Watching and, learning. And, and, and learning. Learning, experience. learning from yes. the press box. You know, there's something that drives me nuts. and It's something that you guys haven't explicitly said but kind of danced around. And it's just this, this understanding that these young players, so let's say Lindblom, Moran, whoever doesn't make the team, they're going to make it up at some point this season. And that kind of drives me batshit. Not because I don't expect there to be injuries, because I think that there will be. Obviously, it's a long season. But the fact that we've got to to really hope for one of our guys to get injured, to see the talent that should have been here already, drives me insane. And then whenever they're healthy, whoever the, the roster player is that comes back, are you sending these kids back to Lehigh Valley? Depends on how they play, because, because we thought the same thing about Ghost. He was only here to play a role, but he played so well, you had to keep him. And when Mark Strike came back, they said, ha, guess what, we're not sending yeah, that, that him right, back. That is true. Who, what did they end up doing? They sent down Sam Gagne, remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he sat in Lehigh Valley for like two months. But that's oh, the thing that's about right. if injuries... Oh, poor Sam Gagne. Like, we're, if, if Taylor Lear gets hurt, and I, I hope he does, and this is just, I'm using this as an <laughs> yeah, example. can you pick someone else? If Taylor Lear gets hurt, we're not going to see Oscar Lindblom. We're going to see Cole Bardreau. Or, or Colin McDonald or, or whoever. Yeah. Hey, Martell had a hat trick. He did. Mm. I, I actually, actually kind of like Martell, but I agree. I like it's, it's more of a role it's thing. It's going to be role. I mean, I mean, my guess is that, and this is probably going to happen when Moran goes down, but my guess what would happen is that Reed would jump in for Lear because Reed is your like okay. your fourth yeah, line replacer or Laterra, who we'll get to a little bit later. But like I agree that Limblom is not coming up to play on the fourth line. He will come up if there's yeah. an opening in the top nine. Of course, maybe there should be an opening in the top nine well, right now. Well, was just gonna say. See the <laughs> nope, thing that's that it, the fourth line now. The thing that's super frustrating about that is that just acknowledging that as fact means that we all acknowledge that he is ready to play a top-line role right now. Uh-huh. And the only thing stopping that from happening is Dale Weiss. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right, perfect but transition, Kelly. But also, Ron Hextall and yeah. Dave Hextall. Perfect transition, Kelly. I'm a professional. Because I want to talk about Dale Weiss right now. Uh, good old Dale Weiss. Dale Weiss. <laughs> Dale Weiss. <laughs> he, um, he doesn't deserve his real name. <laughs> he, uh, he is not looking too good. We were all... I was at least encouraged at the end of last season... Like, all right, he picked it up. Maybe he can be somewhat of a contributor. Uh, he's he's signed for four years, so he's going to be here. If he can play the way he did with Couturier and Shen at the end of last year, it was it would be cool. Uh, they clearly have other plans for Couturier now centering the top line. Shen got shipped to St. Louis. Um, Dale Weiss, what is... He's invisible. He does nothing. What I, think does he invis- bring this- I think invisible would be a step above what he is right now. I can't zero even, dimensional player zero possibly yeah. negative. I, yeah. I can't the clear on the on was that opening night when he just decided to fire it up to the boards blindly to give up the power play goal. 
that was a liability play, but I can't even call him a liability. He's just the least noticeable player of all time. The backup goalie gets more screen time than Tail Weiss. There, he, I bet that's yeah. what Hackstall likes about him. I'm willing to bet Probably. that's exactly what he likes about him, which is infuriating. Probably. there was He made some play, I think it was Saturday, at when I was out celebrating our friend Patrick Wall's birthday. Um, Patrick Wall? Wall. Oh. Wall. I wish um, we were friends with Patrick Wall. Me too. Okay. Sorry. Um, and, and everyone was like, who is that? Who's 22? And it took me like a second. I'm like... It's fucking Dale Weiss. Like, <laughs> Dude, he actually, I did notice him make one play. Um, it must have been in the second period with the, or no, it was. I think it was in the third period of a game. He comes off the boards, or comes off the bench right as a puck is being delivered to like an opponent's stick, and he basically tackled the guy, or he would have had like an easy entry into the zone, no one around him. And I was like, oh, look, he, he made a pair. It's good for you, Dale. You tackled the guy. <laughs> hey, I don't care what sport it is. If, it, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to tackle someone, at least do it effectively. Like The thing with Weiss is that you know, he's obviously become the, you know, the object of our anger because, things are so like, good like, yeah like, like like he's become that guy but like he's still he's okay like he's not he's not horrific he's not chris vandevelde by any means like he's an nhl player the problem with dale weiss at the moment really and this is this is the big problem is that he's an overpaid fourth liner like the reason why i didn't hate the the we signing totally like i didn't like it because i don't like giving term to guys of that skill set but the way i looked at it was okay this is a guy who yeah you're paying a little bit too much or yeah you're giving too much term but he's the type of guy where when the flyers get deep they won't have a problem putting him on the fourth line and then and he's a good fourth liner so like maybe he can be like a, the the better version of like a van Velde or belmar a guy who a coach because of the style of play that he has he doesn't feel uncomfortable using him in a fourth line role. The problem is, is that the Flyers have actually gotten smart with regards to the fourth line. You know, they're using a fourth line with Michael Roffel, who's played top six roles pretty much his entire career with the Flyers. They're using Scott Lawton, who's a former first round pick. They're using Taylor Lear, who has some skill. Like, they've built an intelligent fourth line, and they deserve all the credit in the world for it. The problem is, is that then there's no place for Dale Weiss, so we're trying to shoehorn him into a top nine role that he's quite frankly not good enough to play. Dale Weiss has effectively made the third line the fourth line. Yes. Yep. The quote unquote fourth line is they got more ice time on Saturday, right, Charles? Uh, yeah. Well, that that whole line, that the Patrick line that Weiss yeah. is on, they got dropped to basically line four status because, and I don't know if this was entirely because they were playing terribly. I think it was more because the Lawton line was playing yeah. that well, and and that, and that's They're the type of thing very that good. yeah, like that's the type of thing a coach should be doing. And we've kind of bashed you know bashed Hacksaw a little bit, but like a coach should be recognizing when a line is playing well and should give them more minutes as a result because clearly they're clicking. And you might as well take advantage of it. The problem last year was that you know if. If Chris Vandevelde and Pierre Edward Balmore would have a shift in the offensive zone in the first period, you were like, "Well, shit, they're going to get <laughs> they're going to get 13 minutes tonight because like Haxel's just looking for a reason to give them great minutes, and even if they get torched from a possession standpoint, it's not going to matter because they had that one good shift. At least this line, like when they have a good shift, they're probably going to keep having good shifts because they're good players. The problem again falls into the Dale Wee situation where you know you have a guy who ideally would be on the fourth line, except there are three guys on the fourth line that are playing really well and. Now it's, okay, well, I guess he's in the top nine, and I don't know if he's impactful enough offensively to justify that. Matt Reed is in the AHL. Matt Reed is better than Dale Weiss, I right? Abso- I absolutely believe that. Yep. Matt Reed should never have been the one that was demoted to the AHL. Nope. Like, I get it. He he's got a year left Reed. on his deal, and the, the organization's already like, you know we're moving on from you. This is just kind of got to be the way it is right now and they knew no one was going to claim that was waivers. that's part of it too is he's not getting claimed off waivers at 3.6 which which like and then you get to well why do you care if dale weiss gets taken because this is an obsession of dave of ron hextall he cannot let anybody go for free and i i i I understand (laughs) it but it also drives me insane if the player is not good is not a valuable asset enough for somebody to, to trade something else for them. There is there is a thing called addition by subtraction, like fucking let somebody claim them on waivers. I, I mean, I don't think they would have claimed, like I think if they would have waived Weiss or if they would have waived Letera, I don't think either of those guys would have been claimed. Me neither. But 
I I do believe one of the driving forces behind them picking Reed over those two guys is that Reed only has one year left on his deal. Well, and, maybe and, you should not have given Dale Weiss well, four no, years. No, I'm I'm not yeah. arguing with you. But I know. What, what I'm saying is that like Weiss has three more years. Laterra has two, and that's in addition to to this year. And I I suspect what Hexall's thought process is, you know. Let's not torpedo these guys' values by sending them down to the AHL when they have more years left on their deal. Let's keep them around because we're kind of stuck with them. <laughs> so we might as well figure out if we can salvage these contracts in, in as opposed to Reed, who only has the one year left and is not going to be resigned. I, like, I, I think so that's probably part of it. I have so many problems with that line of thinking, though. It's so stupid for like 8,000 reasons. The we signing... Four years at what two point three five cap mm-hmm. hit, two point three five million. That's that's sexy hexy's biggest mistake, right? Um, I will go with yes. Yeah. Um, there, Def- there's definitely signing wise. Yeah, yeah, there's been some other questionable stuff in there, like the the management of the goalies, and extending Michael Neuvert because that was dumb. I mean, I would say the Belmar signing was worse, Belmar except for the fact that they worse. got bailed out because Vegas mm-hmm. wanted him. But if, if Belmar was on this team, like, that's another thing. I think Steph brought it up last week. Like, we're raving about this fourth line, and we're going to get to it later, but if Pierre Edward Belmar doesn't get taken by Vegas, we're not raving about this fourth line because nope. Pierre Edward Belmar is the fourth C. Absolutely. So the Flyers, like, they lucked into. They, they, I, I gave them credit for being smart about the fourth line. They kind of lucked into being smart because they had to create a better fourth line because they couldn't play Belmar anymore because he was gone. Y- you know what? And it just hit me now. The thing that that absolutely makes my blood boil more than anything else that this team has done in the last let's say five years is that they lucked into two separate events this off season that should have made this team so much better. And they're still fucking stuck with their head up their ass in, in regards to the defense and Andrew McDonald and Brandon Manning. Like they lucked into Nolan Patrick and then they lucked into Vegas taking Pierre Edward Belmar in the expansion draft and they still fuck it up. Yep. They're finding ways to they were essentially handed an optimal lineup on a silver platter and they're still like, yeah, we can do something else. Yeah. It's, it's fine. Things are not like we're complaining. They're better than last yeah, year. Like things but are it not was a low awful. Bar. Like it, it's an it's really annoying that Andrew McDonald's still with Ivan Pro Rob. That's like major issue number one. And hopefully at some point that pairing will be destroyed and fired into the sun. But Aside from that, like the first line has been fine, the fourth line has been great, the middle six, you know, you're you're shuffling things around. Like I'm not, we the Weiss thing is an issue. You know, Philpool has been ass eh so far. Patrick, honestly, like aside from a couple plays, has kind of been ass eh so far. But I'm expecting him to get better as you know as the weeks progress. I'm not concerned about him by any means. But like they have the they have talent up and down the lineup, definitely much more so than they did last year. And like. They look pretty good, so yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bury this team by any means after three. No, games. No, no. But that's the thing is we see the makings of a good team. Maybe they're not Stanley Cup contenders right now, but we see like you know of the what 18 skaters we see like oh like 16 of these are nice pieces. What if we had the other two right? That hmm. would be awesome. Yeah. But Dale Weiss played a. Uh, I think it was a team low nine minutes on Saturday. He's not on the second power play unit. He's not killing penalties. Yeah, well, they tried that. That worked well. Yeah, he had, that was he <laughs> well. had like he had six seconds of shorthanded time and just hand delivered a goal. He blew it clear. Oh my god! And immediately turned it and into it a goal. And it was the worst. Thi- I, I went on and on about it in the post game that night because I've never seen a guy. And that's the thing is that's the other thing. Well, these veterans they have that veteran presence. They're not going to make those mistakes. That was one of the dumbest frig. He had zero. <laughs> awareness on that play none he had so much room <laughs> in every direction the only thing oh he could have done God. worse is shoot it in the net himself <laughs> that would be the only and even if he did that there's a chance the goalie stops it and we get a stop <laughs> i mean because he can't score andrew mcdonald had a goal for who was it oh that was just unfortunate because we're trying to i'm trying to build andrew mcdonald up there. That, that was just like you, know, you watch that and you're like elite of shot course, and, 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 and of course it's andrew yeah and you're McDonald. like okay that was kind of just bad luck but like crap got it it had to be mcdonald <laughs> it had to be elite shot blocker andrew mcdonald blocked it right into well it's the like mic. and i used to make this point now granted i think this player is much much better than andrew mcdonald like in his prime was much better than andrew mcdonald was in his prime but it was kind of like matt carl where like when 
ever there would be a you yeah. know a turnover that would immediately end up in the back of the net and you, you didn't catch the number you were just like that's probably matt carl is it and then he turns around <laughs> like, yeah it's matt carl like every time matt carl would screw up it would always result into a goal and then everyone would scream about matt carl like mcdonald makes a lot more mistakes but like there there is a, set, a point where it seems like every time there's this like gigantic fuck up you see number 47 you're just like oh god not again oh, I, I, I just start feeling bad for him too i'm like no andy nah. no <laughs> stop like, doing that yeah. uh, the la game i thought he was playing really well and then carter's bringing it down on the rush and he goes to defend him by backing all the way in yeah uh-huh. and then finally tries to quote unquote challenge him by falling to the ice <laughs> <laughs> straight star fishing and Carter goes thank you yeah. skates around him passes it out in front goal yep. uh, and like, that is not how you defense that's literally yeah. how I play defense in NHL 15 and I'm not joking I would in flop no, my player on the ice in front of the net and in, go like this with my arms in no world is that the way to go about it either it's continue bad. to back up and just take away his options and then poke check him or uh, do anything bite him Throw your stick at him like a javelin. <laughs> <laughs> Literally anything. But I, is I, that illegal? Yeah, you can't I, do that. Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> I would assume so. But I think I, it's a penalty I shot. Started but like, what if it's an accidental throw? Like, what if it's, what if it's like, oops. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't intentional. It's sheer incompetence. <laughs> but I started to talk about Weiss and how he doesn't play a role on special teams at all. And the coach decided, I can't even put him out there, played nine minutes on Saturday. Uh, there was a stretch we saw. Uh, last season, we find himself relegated to healthy scratch territory. Are we going to see Yuri Laterra on uh, what Tuesday tomorrow against Nashville? Probably not because they won. Yep. There's that, but I, I don't. I could see it because I do think that they want. You know, they want this Laterra thing to work. Like they obviously want the Weiss thing to work too because they have him for another three years. But it it surprised me that Laterra is starting out the season as a healthy scratch just because like. GMs they they have pride and like granted Latera was sort of a throw in in terms of you know the Shen deal like he was basically just taken on to get the essentially get an extra first round pick out of the deal but like they were talking up Latera they they seemed to like his skill set he did not look good in preseason no. and he really didn't give them much of a choice other than to bench him but like I don't think they've come anywhere close to giving up on him as a contributor this year and I do think he's going to get his chance at some point is this the time when he gets it? You know, I, I tend to agree with Steph that they'll wait until they lose a couple games before they put him in, but, like, he's coming in. He's going to get his shot. I have some points here about Yuri Laterra, and this is, like, literally... Like, I, I, Oh. If I never see this guy, whatever, I want Limblom or Reed. <laughs> I'm like, I'm really nervous what's going to happen is you're going to talk up Yuri Laterra, and then it's going to be Nolan Patrick that comes out and Yuri Laterra comes <laughs> Oh my out. God, because, Stephanie. Because Nolan Patrick needs to learn how to offense from above oh no. by not playing. Laterra, and when they acquired him, Hextall, and I've ne- I've almost never heard like a GM just straight up say this about a guy he acquired. He goes, yeah, he was bad last year. But we hope he gets back to where he was his first two seasons, and you know we got the two first round picks. And you look at it; there's a salary cap, and this is what happened. So that was Hextall, basically. I think the day of the draft when they made the trade. But um, Laterra has scored some at even strength in his career. He's uh, potted 26 of his 30 career goals at even strength. He had 23 goals over his first two seasons, 19 at even strength. He's taken over 2,800 face-offs in his first three years, and he has held his own finishing over 50% his first two seasons and at 49 last year. So he's a break-even center in the face-off dot at least. Extra center on a line, is a, it's a bigger deal with the face-off crackdowns this year. Uh, if he gets out there, say he's on the Nolan Patrick line, Patrick gets tossed, you still have an extra center. I think that's one of the reasons Philpel is still on the first power play, is that you want the extra center out there. But... Uh, where, where, uh, he's never been a primary penalty killer, but he's done that in St. Louis, something they can't do with Weiss because he's terrible. Uh, <laughs> Corsi 4 percentage, over 52 in his first two years. He's been on the plus side of 50 all three years, so he's not killing you play-driving-wise. Dri- Again, all I'm saying is that he's got to be better than Dale Weiss. He definitely is. He, I, I, the jury's out, but it's certainly possible. The one thing you do have to note with Laterra and this kind of colors everything statistically about him is that he was basically attached to the hip with Vladimir Tarasenko who is incredible so like all of his numbers are going to look better than they probably would have been otherwise if he even would have been on the second line like 
Vladimir Tarasenko makes him look better, makes all of his stats look better. So he's probably not that good. Like, I don't think he's a he's a play driver, if I'm going to use that term. I don't think he's an especially great scorer. Could he be better than Dale Weiss? Yes, he certainly could. I'm simply looking at what is our best option at bottom six left wing right now. Because Dale Weiss has created this this new fourth line by dragging down two guys I know are good. <laughs> well, let's talk about that, this new fourth line that Nolan Patrick finds himself on. So, okay, as soon as they moved him and people freaked out about it, like I had, like, I think it's, t- we have to stop ranking lines yep, and just realize that. that they're numbered. They're yeah. just numbered. Third line doesn't have to be better than fourth line. Second line doesn't have to be better than third line. No, they're but they, just numbered. But they are though like you're putting your elite talent on the top line you're not putting it on the fourth line but if he's playing on line number four and he's still getting minutes and still getting points i don't really care that he's on line number four i I care about who he's playing with well yeah he needs to have but i mean i like him with connecting that yeah, that, that, that tandem looked good he's with travis connecting and he's still getting his power play time yeah however Dale Weiss. Yes. Well, no, that's an then, issue. Well, there's, there's that, that problem. Yeah. Hence my advocating for Yuri Laterra, who probably stinks. <laughs> well, see, here, here's, an interesting, here's an interesting question, though, because this is something that I was kind of turning over my head. I love seeing my yelling in the... Yeah, it, it gets quite loud. <laughs> <laughs> it is something that I was turning over my head writing my column after Saturday night's game. Because to me, like, if you're going with the most optimized lines based on, like, the, the players they have, let, let's let's take Limblom out of the conversation because quite frankly you know we can talk ad nauseum that like he should be there he's not here and he's not going to be here for a bit mm-hmm. like he has to kill it in the AHL he's yet to score a point in two games he's not coming up this bum like it's not happening so like let's put him out of our heads let's just talk about the guys who are here maybe include Reed because he's probably going to be back the most the optimized lines in terms of like okay what's the best third line you can put together is probably Assuming that Patrick is the, the the nominal 3C, is probably moving Raffle to replace Weiss, because Raffle is better than Dale Weiss. Mm. The question, though, and this is, this is, in my opinion, is an interesting question. Do you want to do that, considering how good the fourth line has looked? Like, no. do you, like I kind of want to keep them together, yep. because they've been awesome, and as much as it kills me to have Weiss there, like, I, I don't want to move Raffle technically up even though it's not really up because the fourth line has been so good. Like, I don't want to mess with that right now. I want to have them keep rolling and see if they can keep doing what they're doing. I Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I'm done. No, I agree with you because I love this fourth line. Like, holy hot damn, I love this fourth line. I'd never thought, never thought in my wildest dreams that I would be a fan of Scott Lawton, but I am. <laughs> and I'm a fan of Scott Lawton with Taylor Lear and, and Michael Roffel. Like, I, I am. I love them. Um, that being said... I don't think that it's Raffle that makes or breaks that line. I think Raffle is going to be good no matter who you put him with. Oh, I totally agree with that. And, yeah. and that's who he's been for his entire career here. I think that what makes that line just a little bit extra special is the fact that Taylor Lear and Scott Lawton have played together for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so like, so closely together for so long that they already can they, they already know what the other one is going to do. And Michael Raffle just compliments that. So while I don't want to see any changes to that line because I think that it's it, it's super dynamic and really fun to watch, it's not necessarily Michael Roffel that upsets me. I had the same thought. If they move him. I had the same thought because you just look at it and go, Roffel doesn't belong on a, on a quote-unquote fourth line. Right. And Dale Weiss does. Yeah. The only issue I have with it is one, the, well, two issues. The chemistry thing, but like you said, I think it's more Lawton and Lear and Raffle's just a good player, so he yeah. fits. But I like this, the fact that they all keep up with each other. I think if Weiss slows them down a little, it's just not the same. Yeah. Uh, so I want to keep them together, and like we saw on Saturday... They're playing well. They get bumped up. They they get third line minutes because they're playing better than the quote unquote third line. Yeah. So yeah. that's just the way it goes. And Raffle is then Raffle's right back in your top nine again because his line is good. Exactly. And like if you're talking about skill sets here, like not even to go into stats, like you say, okay, the 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 four guys in this sort of bubble are Raffle, uh, Raffle, Laterra, Weiss, and Reed. Mm-hmm. So you've got Weiss, who's physical. 
and is an okay skater, but nothing special. You've got Latera, who's a good puck protector, but isn't a good skater. You've got Reed, who's a good skater, but isn't very physical. Then you've got Raffle, who's a good skater and is physical. So, like, Raffle does bring, from a skill set standpoint, two things that have helped that line. He brings plus speed, and he brings the ability to win puck battles and, be, and, be, and be physical mm-hmm. in the corners. I don't know if any of those other three guys bring that combination, and you take that away and you make that line a little bit slower, or you make that line a little bit less physical. I don't know if they can do what they've been doing. I don't know. Maybe they can. Maybe Matt Reed could slide right in. He drives play. He lets those guys do the you know you know crash and bang and create chances, and he just does little things in the neutral zone. And maybe that line works. Maybe it does. But I really like what I've seen so far, and. Like, I want to help Patrick and get Raffle on his wing, but I also don't because I like so much what I've seen out of that trio. Yeah, let's just let let's just let Patrick and Konechny kind of figure it out and wait wait for help to come. I don't want to break up that line, even though I want to see... Like, I want to put Nolan Patrick in... Who did they move up? Philpola? Yeah, Philpola is technically the 2C now. Yeah. That's dumb. I Look think it these... was more about... Don't you think it was more about getting... Konechny and Patrick together than it was about promoting. Football. Yeah, well, I, I think so. Yeah. It was also, I think, because the Patrick line against um, L.A. got killed. Like, yeah. they matched up almost exclusively against the that 70s line, the Carter line, mm-hmm. and they got taken to the absolute cleaners. So I could totally understand why Haxall was like, yeah, maybe we should shake things up a little bit because, like, Patrick maybe can't take minutes against one of the best lines in, in hockey yet. So I let's give him a little bit of an easier assignment. Like I could see that, and yeah, it makes sense. And they he has more confidence in Philip because he's a vet and things like that. I did fine. I yeah. I just think that if if you're trying to kind of give Konechny and Patrick more minutes together, you put them next to Wayne Simmons. I wouldn't hate that. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I, then the third line is kind of a mess at that point. Well, then it's Jordan Wheel and Philpola and. The other dude. <laughs> I think they just love uh, Simmons Dale. and Wheels. I think they love the way those yeah. two complement each other. Which is fine. It's just it's this fine is always um, even before uh, even before Hackstall got here. This was kind of a organizational philosophy to build your build your lines with duos and then find a complementary piece. And I think they like Simmons and Wheel together. And it's like, okay, we'll try it out with Nolan. All right, nah, I don't really like what we're seeing. Throw Philpola in there. It looked good. Uh, it looked good last year. Let's see if it keeps going. And they're just going to kind of figure that part out. It's just a matter of finding the balance. And, like, you know, I think they're good enough pieces that they can find. A, they can, you know, work a middle six that can work you know they put one together i think it's there it's just a matter of finding what clicks and i'm not even ruling out that this patrick wheel simmons line doesn't get put back together and looks yeah. better because it looked really good in preseason they might have just had a bad game but at this point you know we, we've talked about this last year you know, the one thing that coaches can do to make it feel like they're doing something is to Change mess the with the lines. Yep. So, like, they do that. This is just what coaches do. Yep. They juggle lines because it makes them feel like they're doing something. Yeah, Um. and we're going to get into this next thing now. One of the reasons the middle six is kind of, they're jumbling it, they're trying to figure it out, is because they've decided to go with this top line, Giroux at wing, Couturier at center, and and four check on the right side. How have we liked it so far? Uh, it still like makes me laugh that they forced this to become a thing, <laughs> but yeah, they're looking pretty good. They're they're looking yeah. they're looking pretty good. I wasn't you know I've never been a fan of this from the beginning, and I think it's still ridiculous, but it works. I think it's given Couturier a ton Couture- of confidence. Couturier yeah. scoring goals now. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe just the one, but. Still. Three points through three games. He's a point-of-game player. That's That's, 82. um, He's not going to get hit 40, folks. He's going to get 80. No, we predicted this. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I hated this from the start, too. And I really want to continue hating it just because I think it's stupid. But I can't really argue with results. So, all right. I'm still a little concerned defensively because mm-hmm. they are get because they've stacked everyone that means they have to take tough they have to take the matchups against really good lines and they have bled scoring chances at times in these games you know i believe per natural stat trick they've given up more high danger scoring chances than they've created which isn't great especially when you've got your arguably your three best forwards on the same line you want them to be crushing it at the same time you've seen that they have the ability to pull off these great offensive plays. Like the play that ended with Couturier's goal, I talked about it in my column after Saturday Saturday night's game. Like 
that was Drew, Voracek, and Couturier all doing what makes them good mm-hmm. on the same play one right after another. Drew had the great pass. Voracek takes it wide, controls the puck, shields the puck from, from the defender trying to get it, then drops a you know a blind back pass to Couturier, who was smart enough to get in the spot that he needed to be, get in front of the net, and puts it in the net. Like You have the intelligence of Couturier, the puck protection and speed of Voracek, and the passing ability of Giroux, one right after another after another, and boom, ends in a goal. And like that's exciting. That's fun to watch. It yes. really is. <laughs> it really is. And like you said, it was getting to see everything they all do well. Uh, I'm excited to see this line come together. Like I thought it was going to take time. I wasn't in love with the idea of stacking it like this. I wasn't in love with the idea of moving Giroud to that wing. Mm-hmm. But it's going to take a little bit of time for the chemistry to come together. And that's what I kind of think the uh, bleeding scoring chances can be attributed to, at least in part, is you have one guy learning a new position. You have uh, just communication issues. And I think more than anything, with all the there's been some turnover, whether it be in line mates or just new guys. There have been communication issues uh, to start this season. And it, I think it's just it has to do with chemistry. Yeah, yes. yeah. You're not going to find us disagreeing here. <laughs> but uh, just another quick thing about uh, who's the center and whatnot. Couturier has uh, taken 36 even strength face-off Giroux at 27. So they are going back and forth. I think it's especially like a uh, an offensive zone thing. They'll throw Giroux in if he's on the one side and Couturier on the other based on handedness. But Couturier really is the center. I thought it was going to be a more even split than this. No, I mean, th- this, this is what... This is what a lot of teams are doing, and I think you know Steph and I were actually having this conversation before the show. Um, I have William Nylander in my uh, in my fantasy league, and I noticed that he's taking faceoffs this year, and I was like, "That's weird." He's on Austin Matthews' wing, right? And Steph's like, "Yes, he is." And I was like, "Okay, well, why is Nylander taking faceoffs?" And it seems like, and I say this and without this was a good question. Yeah, and, and 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 it seems like I haven't watched a Toronto game in full, but it seems like what's happening is that. Because they both have different hands, you know, they both shoot in different ways. One's taken the faceoffs on one side, one's taken face on the other. Like teams are doing this more, and I think it's going to happen more because of the faceoff change. Because now you can't cheat as much. So maybe this is the Flyers kind of being a little bit ahead of the curve here with regards to winning faceoffs. Maybe I we'll see. I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in any of the decisions that they make, but <laughs> if Toronto's doing it, I, it think must be I have good. more confidence no, like, in, in Babcock than I do in Hackstall. So. Like I said earlier, with maybe Laterra coming in and he's an extra center on a line, I think the reason Val Filpola is going to get an extended look on this first power play is because you have an extra center. You saw in. It was either the, I think it was the Thursday game, but it might have been on Saturday, where uh, Drew gets tossed out of the faceoff circle. Philpola comes in and wins it, leads to a shot. There's another faceoff, and Drew says, nah, you won that one. Take it again. And it's just a, it's a good dynamic to be able to do both. So I think that's kind of going to contribute, like you guys said, with the with the new rules. I mean, how dumb? Dumb. Who? Was this a real problem? Like, was any like was this a problem that needed a solution? The cheating in the faceoff circle? No, apparently, no. <laughs> apparently, it I mean, was. It was. It, it's to make your head more safe because apparently the guys were getting too close together right. and and banging bodies and and heads and there were head butts and, right. and post you. Do you, you know for for concussion safety? Uh, the league, whatever, all right. I'll but. accept that because if the I'll accept it because they're getting sued by everybody, and you have to when you are getting sued, you have to take every possible precaution and be like, see, we're doing this too. Then no you have even, to make it a no hit league. Well, yeah, I know, but it's <laughs> this league is super good at identifying problems that it doesn't actually have <laughs> and solving them, and then ignoring all of the actual problems that exist that need fixing. That's. I just remember when they came. I remember when they came out of the lockout, and it was like, yeah, we're gonna go with hurry up faceoffs. Uh, this is a good thing. It'll 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 make games go faster. It'll just get to the action because that's what we're all here to see. Not for the ref to control traffic in the faceoff circle for 15 minutes. But now they've gone in the opposite direction. Yeah. It was, you know, what kind of cracked me up about this preseason is the two changes kind of got lumped together. You had the the emphasis on slashing, and you had the faceoffs, and it seemed like the league kind of lumped the two together. Like, well, we made these changes; you better get used to them. It's like, okay, well, no, 
I like the slashing emphasis. That's a good one. I don't like the face-off That thing. one's bad. So, like, let's stick with the one that actually was a problem, which was star players getting their hands hacked as they as they skate up by trying to do creative fun star things. Star players also doing the hacking. True, true. But, I mean, generally speaking, the star players were Looking taking more hacking than others. Star players are oftentimes matched up against each other, so they just kind of swing their sticks at each other. I like the way it's enforced. I still just hate that it's a slash if you hit the guy on the stick. I really do. I do too. To me, that's checking. I, I know it's... It, I, know. I know it's been a rule forever and now there's an emphasis on it. I just hate that you can't nullify a guy's stick because it's his stick. It's uh, equipment. But I... Mm. If it's all about opening up the game and letting star players make cool plays, I'm for that because I'd rather see Johnny Goudreau deke through three guys than have his hand broken. I'd rather not see Mathot lose a finger. Yeah, that wasn't good. That that was that was kind of ugly to watch. Uh, I want to get into. Um, I want to go back to the Couturier goal now, and talk about what the Flyers are doing with passes from behind the net, because this is something we talked about a lot in the off season, and it was something I said when they hired Knobloch. I said I just want to see a new wrinkle. I want to see where they generate a little bit of offense from behind the net. We talked about the home plate and all the high danger scoring chance. Uh, like research that has gone into where goals are actually scored, and the Flyers are creating offense from behind the net, specifically with the one play. Uh, Jake Voracek wraps around a lot. He goes for as many wraparounds as Danny Briere, basically. I loved that he threw it back out on the short side and created a goal. That is an indefensible play. A goalie has close to no chance of stopping it unless you just hit him with it, and the defense is all going in one direction, and they're all stopped. And they did something similar on the uh, Provorov goal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Patrick has the puck behind the net. Defense crashes down on him. They're shorthanded. The penalty expires like you know, a, a second, a second yeah. before the puck goes in the net, but it's technically it's, it's still basically a power play. Defense crashes down because the puck's behind the net. Boom. Throw it out. Pucks in the net before the defense can turn around. It's like Everyone's back's to you, turned William. to the shot. I love it. It's good stuff. It's been neat to see. And I actually, I'm, I'm in the process of working on an article about this. It would be a pretty short article because we're only talking about three games. But yeah. what's been interesting about their five-on-five tactics is that, you know, we were kind of screaming about the, the low-to-high play. And they haven't stopped doing that. Like, they're still doing a fair amount of low-to-high. It's just that they're supplementing that mm-hmm. with plays behind the net and home play passes like the percentages from last year to the first three games with regards to like how many shots came from low to high passes pretty much the same it's just that last year they never played from behind the net Mm -hmm. and they never they rarely passed the puck across the slot to create a shot this year they're doing that so they're basically taking some of those like non-creative plays and making them more creative and to be quite honest with you that that's probably enough like, the Sharks, when they were really good, that's kind of what they did. They did a lot of low to high, but they also play from behind the net a lot. And, like, you can make up for the fact that you're taking a lot of point shots if you're also taking a lot of shots from in close two. And what you're seeing this year, I think, and hopefully this holds, is that there are less shots coming from, like, the perimeter at, like, the half boards. And instead of just, you know just flipping a shot on net and hoping there's a rebound from those chances, they're looking to create and they're looking to try to get it in closer. And that's been cool to see. And the D is active again. Yes, they're taking point shots. That's true. Yes, they're taking point shots, but they're also crashing down closer to the slot where they actually have a better chance of scoring. I'll never be... some active D. Hey. (laughs) I'll never be totally... Like, I'll get why they want to take some point shots because they have Ghost, they have Provorov, and now they have Sanheim. These are guys with good shots. But uh, get closer to the net. (laughs) Get closer. Yeah. No, that's Funnel good. it by the goaltender, because goalies stop everything they see now. You you just you have to trick them. Get them moving side to side or come from behind them. And that's basically mm-hmm. come from behind. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I've, I've, been, I've been giggling during this entire segment, by the way. Speaking <laughs> of goaltenders. I just wanted to say that I really, really love the the Nolan to Provorov connection there, and I want to see a lot more of it. I That's think it. we will. They're yeah. best friends. Brandon Wheat Kings. Yeah. They are best friends. They, I think they're room, roommates on the road, too. Oh, that's sweet. Do you think they watch Step Brothers together and they're like, that's us? No. Nolan Patrick <laughs> watches Dexter and he's actually <laughs> friends with Scott Lawton. So. Okay. All right. Now, time for the goaltenders. Our favorite topic. Brian Elliott is undefeated, posting a respectable 914 save percentage through a whole two games. 
He's got a career 913 save percentage, and from 2011 to 2016, it was 925. Uh, last year, he was just bad, and that's why they got him cheap. But Neuvert was very good in L.A. in his start. Uh, first of all, did the goalie decisions surprise you at all this week, or what? What did yes. you think? I, th- I swore that it was going to be Neuvert starting. Me too. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm glad that it didn't work out that way, obviously. Um, what I noticed is that the the style that Brian Elliott plays is going to give me a heart attack oh my throughout, God. throughout the entire season. He can't like, get up, man. And, and I thought I thought that it was just like I thought that he was playing poorly, that it was a bad game, but that's just his style. And and I, I'm not I, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> like my my heart isn't ready for this. It's a little Dominic Hashik adjacent. It's like a little floppy where it's like, what is what is he doing? Yeah, why why are you you're, why, you're, you're flopping? flopping? You're flopping. Why, why is this happening? I but was he expecting. Seems to know what he's doing. I was yeah, expecting more of a positionally sound because he's in his thirties. I kind yeah. of expected more of a just veteran calm style, and not what I've seen. That's not so that's far. not calm. It's no. it's active. Yeah, act, actively. I mean, there's no other word for flopping. I don't know if I just kicked you, Charlie. I'm sorry if I did. Um, it's it's very nerve wracking, but it works yeah, more often than not. No, there, I, there was definitely, and I guess I never really understood it totally because it wasn't my team. But I think there was definitely a feeling in St. Louis that even though he, Elliot put up really good numbers, that like the Blues were like desperate to find the real goaltender answer mm-hmm. because they almost like they see they they believed that the floor was going to fall out from under this guy at some <laughs> point. And, like, they didn't know when, but like it, it, all this smoke and mirrors at some point is going to is going to dissipate and Elliot's going to turn back into a pumpkin. And he never really did in St. Louis, but you know, you watch him and you can sort of see why. You know, goalie people might be like, "Shit, this guy, how is he going to keep this up?" But so far, it's worked. It's, and it's, it's been okay. Yeah, and and it's been surprising. Uh, they win. In San Jose, but Elliott gives up three, and then it's back-to-back, so they go with Neuver in L.A., uh, and he plays a great game. Were you surprised to see Elliott back out there on Saturday? No. Mm-mm. I mean, I was more surprised by how well Neuvert played in L.A., to be honest. Like, I... I it shut me up a little bit. I was like, oh, all right. So he had that fully... one save where he flashed the glove, and I was like, yeah. oh, well, goddamn. Yeah. I guess this is happening. Well, he is, and that's that's the part that like sucks the most is he is a good goaltender. He wasn't last year. Yeah, he just can't carry yeah. a load, and he gets hurt. And right. last year he had a really bad year. Sometimes right, and he can't play have... more than thirty games a yeah. season. Like that's that's the max, and it's been the ceiling for him for the latter half of his career and that's just the reality but if, if he if he can perform the way that he has historically this season it will be a better team than we were last year because last year was not good do we know who's starting on tuesday yet i don't think we'll know we, until tomorrow yeah. we'll, we'll know because they usually do the like you know the first yeah. off last off kind of thing but i, I wouldn't be surprised if it's neuvert if they're just trying to basically make this into a pure timeshare um, I would. I love Neuvert's game. I think it's it sucked for him that he got the loss yeah. because he did play so well, and both the goals that he allowed were essentially yeah. unstoppable. Dunks, yeah. yeah, like there's not much he really. And the team didn't done. score. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. It, it, it helps when your team actually can right. score a goal <laughs> once in a while. But uh, no, Neuvert looked good, and Elliot looked fine, and you know Elliot, what's he at? Like a nine thirteen save percentage or yeah, nine fourteen? You said yeah, like that's around kind of what I was sort of hoping for from his him, career you know? is nine thirteen. Yeah, like mid mid nine tens. That was kind of what I was crossing my fingers that Elliot could provide, and it's exactly what he's provided. So I, I can't think, be mad. I think after last year they were like, "Oh, we want his average. That's be, it. O- be over nine <laughs> ten. I think that okay, we expect Neuvert to bounce back. He's a backup. We can timeshare with him a little, but he's not gonna like Steph said play more than thirty games because he doesn't play he more can't. than thirty games. Uh, and Elliot it can just come in and be good. Just and we, need two seasons ago, yeah. Steve Mason. That's all we, all we need. Yeah, just be good, Mason. Yeah. <laughs> be the nine seventeen goaltender, and everyone will be happy. Uh, do you think they just go back and forth until someone wins or just has a bad game and loses the job, or do you think they'll start to go more heavy with Elliot as the season or as this month goes on? I expect at the end of the year, it's you know fifty some to thirty some, but. Um, I think they'll probably, I mean, let's look at what Haxtell did last season. He went back and forth for the entire beginning of the season, even pulling goalies when there was really no need to pull goalies. So I I assume that he'll do that until he decides that he needs to make, um, Neuvert his starter. 
<laughs> which is you know, you know it's a, it, it'll happen it'll at happen. some point it's our it's just our yearly like thanksgiving tradition under dave haxtell yeah. guess what <laughs> michael neufert's a starter guess what we're doing this again <laughs> yeah I, I would expect this to hold through probably the remainder of october where he's you know giving everybody a shot and then probably around november he's gonna lock in on a guy and i it wouldn't be surprised if steph is right and it's neuvert yeah, because he might. does yeah, like really. neuvert but you know he'll lock in on a guy and if it's neuvert he'll lock in on neuvert until neuvert gets hurt and then elliot will have the job and they'll they'll call up alex Lyon, who will proceed to sit, sit. on the sit on the bench for three weeks while elliot <laughs> plays every single game and then this he'll is be dave Haxtell. Yeah. like this is dave Haxtell. this is how he deals with goalies this is just so, what they do this is how it goes way she goes boys yeah. Well, guys. I was gonna say yeah. I was gonna say something else. Oh, I was gonna look forward to Nashville. Oh, okay. Let's. Um. So I did. I re- I pre-recorded the the pre-game interview today with Alex Doherty from on the forecheck. Um, they're not very optimistic about that team down in Nashville. Really? Yeah. Ryan Ellis is hurt. They've got some issues. I mean, is Pekka Rene going to be good again? I doubt it. We didn't even get to goalies. So so the the defense was the the biggest concern for him. And then also also apparently some of the decisions that they're making on offense just don't make sense. You can tell someone hasn't had their heart broken a million times when they have a defense that consists of the players that Well, he, and, he's naming You're complaining about defense, buddy. Chris Terrian's one of the best <laughs> in my franchise's history. He, he was we didn't go there, but he was naming defensemen that are bad. And he was like, "Well, you know, except for PK, yeah. except for Roman Yossi, except for the third one that I can't remember the name of right now. Ekholm. 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 Yeah. I'm like, come on, dude. There's yeah. three guys right? are all like <laughs> legitimate number like, one defensemen. Oh, yeah. we lost Ryan Ellis. How awful. We only have three other number ones. Well, apparently, <laughs> apparently the other three, I mean, the other three are, are names that you've heard have been washed up for the past 10 years. <laughs> so there is a concern there, but we're playing them at the right time, I think. We're playing them not only once in October, but twice. Yeah, we, we're done yeah. with Nashville before Halloween. Yeah, we're definitely playing them at the beginning of the year, which is the right time for them. Um, and Scotty Hartnell is, oh, is yeah. apparently just yeah. like, he he's one of their bright spots this season. Well, he's well, fine. he's a he's an is he an original predator? Mm-hmm. He is. Yeah. Okay. So, One of yeah. their first draft picks, I believe. All right. So yeah, that's uh, cool that he, yeah, that's lines. cool that he goes back there, yeah. and uh, yeah, him and Teemanen came over when that, that's back when we all had these great thoughts about Paul Holmgren. Like, look well, at him, <laughs> look at him, just destroying the Predators trade after trade. Well, you know, to to defend Paul Holmgren for a minute, like. His tenure did start out good. Oh yeah, he's not some like great he stuff. Was, yeah, it's not like he was like from the start making dumb decisions. The first half of Paul Holmgren's tenure yeah. was very good. It was just the back half when he kind of lost his mind. Well, it was that and injuries and uh, booze and coke and pain pills and like a number of things. I mean, there, that were there, out of Paul Holmgren's there, control. There were lots of factors, yeah. but when you're you know when you're adding Andrew McDonald, Nick yeah. Grossman, Nick Sh- like when you're adding like. Tons and tons, or like Luke Shen, like you're adding a bunch of six defensemen to play top four roles to replace Chris Pronger. That's when things go back. You know, in a in Talladega Nights, when Will Farrell stabs himself in the leg, and then they're trying to get the knife out with another knife. <laughs> yes. That that was Paul Holmgren <laughs> trying to address the problems of the. Ah, uh, yeah, let's just go get Grossman. I guess uh, we got to trade for Andrew McDonald. Extend him. <laughs> Extend him. <laughs> like, oh, these are not how. This is not how you replace these guys. No. Ah, that was fun. Look, oh, we're at like an hour. We almost hit that on the head. How nice. About that. That is all the time we have for you this week on BSH Radio. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, everybody. Thank you so much to all of our Patreon subscribers. We are doing our best to pump out as much content as we can for you. I really hope you're enjoying it. The feedback has been great. More people are subscribing every day, so we must be doing something uh, at least right. Or you just like us and you're taking pity on us. Either, Either way! way! Thank <laughs> you! Absolutely fine with me! <laughs> Again, thank you to Sports Radio 94 WIP, and thank you to John Barchard. This is just absolutely amazing over here. Yes, Steph. So just to piggyback off the Patreon subscriber thing, so we will be doing our all-NHL show. We're going to try and stick with Fridays um, as the season allows. 
Um, and then we also will be starting Yelling About Sports again this Wednesday. You have all been waiting for the return of Yelling About Sports with bated breath. It is coming. Last week was nuts with the launch of it, everything. Everything. We all decided, we were all like, oh, we'll work the kinks out during the preseason. None of us did shit no. during the preseason. And <laughs> In fairness, Oops. I put together the Patreon. No, yeah, no, everything. <laughs> no, we, we built everything. It yeah. was just like, yeah, we'll work out the kinks. Nah, we're not going to do that. We'll just do it on the fly with the season starting. That was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. But everything, uh, we seem to have worked out most of everything. The scheduling is coming together. Yelling about sports will return. I hope you liked our first uh, all-NHL show. That was a lot of fun. We're going to be bringing those to you throughout the season. I did the very first prospect update on Sunday. So there's tons of content for you guys. Uh, Yeah, that's it. Have a great week, Philly. Are you ready to talk about sports? I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.